The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at, a cust- sitting at the customs post. He said to him, follow me. And leaving everything behind, he got up and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were at table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said to them in reply, Those who are healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the strong themes uh, in the Lenten season is is that of repentance. Of repentance, and then there's um, oftentimes an, an overlay of of baptism. Yeah, and this is significant, of course, because we're driving uh, towards Easter. Easter, the uh, of course the the primary commemoration of Jesus's death and resurrection, and our participation in it, right? Which means really our baptism into his death, the old man being drowned in the waters of baptism and coming through to the other side, rising with him uh, to new life, a life that that is open to the possibility of of living totally for God, Uh, the power that we have by his his own life of love uh, being breathed into us. So we always have baptism in the background, sometimes kind of coming through to the fore, but uh, but today, of course, this is, um, you know, it's, it's a story of, of repentance. It's an account of repentance. Certainly one particular man's turning to God and then what happens in, in wake of that. We see, we see Levi responding to the call of Christ. What do we see? He, Jesus said to him, follow me. And leaving everything behind, he got up, resurrection language, he got up and followed him. He said to him, follow me, and leaving everything behind. I mean, this is, I think, uh, it, it's remarkable. Some of these, some of these scenes, I think, are, are painted quite vividly, vividly in The Chosen. There you go. There's my plug for the day. It's, it's fine, you know, if you don't, it's okay. Anyway, so it, it's, it's, not, it's not painted as vividly here, right? Because in this, in this sense, we, we don't have so much access to any kind of backstory, Matthew, Levi's life, we don't, we don't necessarily get into what that, would have, what that would have looked like. And because we're all not watching The Chosen, I have to preach a long time to tell you what it would have looked like. Oh, I'm just kidding. Okay. But, I have to, but I have to at least give you some sense. Right? This is Matthew, Levi, collaborating with the enemy. Yeah? This, is a big, this is a big issue. And it's, I think it's pretty clear he was a Jew. But he's collaborating with the enemy, with Rome or Herod. And that means thwarting Israel's ambition as the Pharisees and the scribes saw it. So he, uh, the abridged version is, he is enemy to them. Levi is, enemy to, is an enemy to the Pharisees and their scribes because he's working for, again, either Rome or Herod. He's collecting taxes. And he's not just collecting taxes, right? He's not just... Okay, right, this is, a, this is the tariff. This is what it's going to cost you this time. This he is enriching himself. 
Yeah, so just pad it out a little bit, right? Just pad it out a little bit. And that's where he's going to gain his wealth, his riches, whatever. So there's a massive kind of um, complex narrative just of what we should anticipate Levi's life being. Yeah, and it, there's further sign of it, of course, when, when he goes, when uh, Levi gives a great banquet. He gives a great banquet. Where did he get that money from? You know where he got that money from. He got it from defrauding people. He gives a great banquet uh, in his house. There's a large crowd of tax collectors. Right? I mean, this is for, of course, and this is a tough scene for a Pharisee to begin with. It doesn't matter. Just the fact of their gathering is tough for them. Uh, these, these are gathering of people who betray Israel. And they've made common cause with each other. That doesn't make anyone, that doesn't make the Pharisees feel happier about, oh, at least they have companionship. Not at all. Right? They're, they're in cahoots. They're despicable people. They're, thwart, they're thwarting our efforts. And they're thwarting, when I say our efforts, they've, they've also put this kind of veneer of religiosity on it, which we do, okay? But we put this thin veneer of religiosity on it to say, um, this is, they are thwarting not our efforts, they are thwarting God's efforts. So they're going to get real, really riled up, aren't they, to see this happening. And of course, there's, there's say, um, the, not only the exclusion from, uh, from good society, as it were, because they are thwarting God's efforts or thwarting, uh, you know, the Israel agenda that the Pharisees are trying to implement. Uh, but also there's ritual exclusion. They can't, they can't worship because they're unclean, likely, because they come in contact with Gentiles with some frequency. It's not unclean. And again, again it's not like, um, you know, so I, think we've, I think we've had enough of our um, unclean and clean moments the past few years. Right? It's like the, the threat of contamination. There, was, there were reasons why you know, just you guys stay to yourself and we're going to stay to ourselves. We, we, don't, we don't need your germs and you don't need our germs, right? A lot of, a lot of this is what undergirds the, uh, the ritual purity laws that we encounter in the scripture. But, but it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that they, they then, because they're th they are those kinds of things, that there is, there is no other baggage that's, that, that people are bringing with them into that. They're bringing a lot of baggage into that. And so, so much of this feels very unsafe, yeah? And it, Jesus has no problem being at the middle of it. There's no problem at all being in the middle of it because he's come to enact his agenda. And he doesn't, he doesn't care, you know, what headwinds he'll face as a result of enacting his agenda, enacting the true agenda of God. He doesn't care. He's going to face it. And he's going to push through no matter what it costs him. And it's going to cost him everything. So even though like we see this, this brief exchange, he says to him, follow me. As soon as he says to Levi, follow me, he's got Jesus has issues. Do you know what I mean? This is, this is now one of, it's going to become one of his closest associates. And, it's going to, and he knows that that guy is hated by a lot of other guys who are you know, on the scene and exerting a good bit of political pressure and, and uh, you know, constructing and leading uh, a different agenda and, and all the rest. He knows this is going to put him 
in potentially violent opposition with the with these other with these other people, this other group. He knows he has to do it, and again, he's prioritizing Levi. Right? He's looking at him and prior, and it might be the first time in Levi's life that he's prioritized by anybody. And that the language used around his following Jesus is the language of resurrection is very powerful because he's bringing him into new life. And then, they're, and then they're moving on, right? Then they're moving on together. And what do we see? As soon as, as, soon as Levi is tapped into new life, celebration. Celebration in, ensues, right? And do you see like the, the party that, again, the party that he's putting on and the fellow tax collectors are, are being gathered in, are they being exposed to Jesus and his way and, his, and, and the restoration, the renewal that, that he has on offer for them? Yeah. Is it coming at a great cost? It's coming, now it's coming at, at the cost of Levi as well, right? He's the one who has to, he has to pay for it all, right? He's the one who has to open his house. And he's the one who draws scorn, of course, that, that Jesus takes, yeah, and this is this is similar to, of course, the, the dynamic of our coming to new life in Christ. And you know, are we living it? The question, the question always for me in the background is, are we living it that well? Right? Do we do we see the kinds of the celebrations of of repentance, the celebrations of uh, of people's renewal? Do, I mean, are are we caught? Are we caught up in this? Um, the, the life-giving exchange of the Trinity, right? We've been, I know that sounds very technical, but have we been, have we been, do we find ourselves loved by Jesus in such manner that we want to give our, our whole heart and our whole life to him? And going all in on Jesus, right, we find that God is God, the true and living God is the center of our hearts and lives. And the true and living God is, is nothing other than self-giving love. And so the, the more we worship and praise the true and living God, the more we also become an expression of his own life of love, by his strength, right? by his power, by the power of his own life of love, we are, we are growing to, to embody his love as well. Yeah, and, we're, we're, and in this sense, okay, fine, another, another lens to look at it is generosity right god god is radical generosity he's a, he's a uh, an eternal exchange of glorifying love and he's just generosity he's just generosity always looking to the other totally for the other right do we live out generosity in every aspect of our lives and this is significant for us in the lenten season right we're taking on these penances look i understand okay you can look as dreary as you want guys but I'm, no, tell, let me reflect back to you. You look miserable this morning. You know, I, I'm just working. <laughs> you know, like, this is my job, okay? But you look miserable. I don't know. Anyway, you're la- look, I'm reflecting back to you because I think, honestly, I love you. I, and I, you're allowed to look miserable, but I want you to know what you look like. So, <laughs> God, delights, God delights in you. God delights in you. We do, what have we, we've done nothing to deserve it. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, is this a celebration or is it not? I know, right? 
father's dragging on and on. Fine, do you know? But is it, a, is it a celebration or is it not? And part of it is I'm trying to find that spark as well. So maybe I'm distracted by, you know, I get it. We've all got a lot of stuff going on. But, and, and my frame is God delights you. Know, I'm not taking any offense, but I want to, you know, like I, I, I want to see the spark because it's there. Do you know Jesus is doing it? And he's fanning the flame, right? He's, 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 uh, he's giving us hearts to praise God. Uh, he's giving us hearts to serve and to serve well. But again, you know, it's the Lenten season. We're giving ourselves over to these works of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Or we're, taking it, we're taking it very seriously, right? Um, but what's happening is Jesus is calling us. Yeah, and we realize that we're encumbered by the opposite. We're encumbered by self-indulgence. We're encumbered by time spent on me, myself, my own pursuits. Right? We're, we're encumbered by greediness. And Jesus is inviting us to live a life that better reflects God. And yeah, through those, through those acts, but the call comes free for us at a cost to him. It demands our response. And the question is today, will we, will we likewise rise and follow him? Will we get up and follow him? Again, Jesus is giving us the strength. He's giving us everything we need to do it, to follow him in faith this day. It's ours to respond to him in faith and live that life of radical generosity, praising God with, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, and giving ourselves over to him entirely in service, pouring ourselves out for him and his purposes in the world, loving, loving each and every soul, prioritizing every person that he entrusts to our care as followers of him.